So if Dan and I are in the pop-up and you hear the frogs starting, that means you have intimate time going on? Is that how that works? That's how that works. So we are sitting here talking about frogs. He always gets me. You know what? Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an educational and entertaining exploration of all things erotic. From sacred sexuality to fetishes, power exchange relationships and leather life, BDSM to polyamory, as well as simply fun kink. Each week, we bring you a diverse offering of erotic life in its many forms. This podcast includes frank discussions of highly sexual topics. If you are offended by this type of content or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. <laughs> Hi, John. Hi, Dan. So here we are in the middle of our living room. We've just had our nice house meta tea. Yes. And we're getting ready to leave for some foreign country. Some foreign country? Oh, we are. Someplace. <laughs> and we were talking about not too long from now, we'll be heading up to tea. Mm-hmm. Not tea. Teas. <laughs> but that's not important now. Uh, we have guests in studio. I don't know if they're going to speak or not because they're all looking pissed <laughs> off that I pulled out the microphone all of a sudden and just turned it off. It still looks like a probe. <laughs> it is a probe of some sort, depending on... It's a it's a podcasting probe. I don't know. Okay. So our awesome. question, though, the reason we pulled out the probe, probe was to discuss this question of the day, and you and I can discuss it, and we have guests in-house who might speak up. They might mm-hmm. not. Up to them. The cat doesn't look like it's going to speak. No, no. She's pretty laid back. So our question of the day is, I am finding that my inclination to be polite and concerned for the comfort of the person I'm playing with is getting in the way of playing with them. So what they're saying is, to paraphrase, do you have any advice on how to be more... um, Toppy? Toppy. They say being a teddy bear works great in vanilla land, but not so much as a top. And I can certainly understand that because I am not, uh, unlike some people we know, I am not a sadistic top. I Mm -hmm. do not derive pleasure from inflicting pain. Unless the person you're inflicting the pain to is enjoying it. (laughs) Well, that is the actual, my feeling, this is how I respond to that, right? Mm -hmm. Is because I had to teach myself that it's okay to pleasure someone. Right. And if it happens to be pleasurable for them that I flog them until they're bleeding. <laughs> not that done that. No, not yet. Gotten close. Yeah. But then, and that is what der- where they derive pleasure. Mm-hmm. Then that is, then I can gain pleasure from that. No different than if I was massaging their little feeties mm-hmm. or if I was licking their nostrils, whatever it is that turns them on. <laughs> Picture you massaging someone's feet, though, sir. No, I think that one of our guests almost gagged on licking the nostrils. So, but I I can kind of picture what he's saying if he's new, if if this top is new. My guess would be that he's got someone under his uh, under his touch, and then as he's inflicting pain, he's leaning in, going, "Is that okay? Is that okay?" And and that would kind of pull me out of my headspace. So, I think he's trying to ask how to keep from asking if that's okay. And, I mean, I know for me, the first thing that popped into my head was the use of safe words. 
I mean, one of the things that allows Dan to be able to um, play hard with me and not have to stop to see if I'm okay is the fact that we trust each other with safe words. So he knows that I'm going to use yellow or red, you know, and we've had to get to a place where he can actually trust that I am going to use those safe words so that he can keep on going as hard as he wants to go and we don't have to stop the scene to see if that works. So, does that work for you guys? She's sitting here smiling. But, um, <laughs> we don't play that hard. Right. Um, because she's definitely not a pain slut. Um, and, but I would kind of echo what Dan said at the beginning. Of if she's deriving pleasure mm -hmm. from that, then that feeds me. Right. And I would react to that in a favorable way. Mm -hmm. If if she reacts in a bad way that she's being hurt, that's not gonna that's I'm not sadistic. I'm not gonna go <laughs> Ooh, right. that's getting me off. No, I I get off knowing that whatever sensation I'm dealing her, she's enjoying. Mm -hmm. So um, but we don't play hard enough really to to uh, have to be concerned about um, like the safe words. The safe I words mean, or anything like that. I mean, that. they're there, but we, we've never pushed that edge. Awesome. So I was just thinking, you know, because at the beginning, I know Dan would ask me if things were okay because I was starting to find out that I liked pain. And, um, but yeah, just incorporating the safe words just really let him be able to, to go with the flow. And One of the big things for me, though, is not... Is the make sure there's being involved in your aftercare mm -hmm. and being involved with you afterwards, so that when you know we talk about the uh, whipping with the dragon's tongue, mm -hmm. and you make that noise like you just made <laughs> that yummy noise, and you smile and you grin and you tell me how much you liked it, mm -hmm. or having that big and bringing you that big cathartic crying, yeah, you know that's a gift that I can do, and again. If I brought you the cathartic crying via uh, a flogging or rope bondage or anal sex or <laughs> telling you Vogon poetry for the geekies <laughs> out there, <laughs> then that's, you know, what I want is that effect. The tool that I use to get there mm -hmm. happens to be, for you, it's effective to use um, uh, pain. You heard a little mm -hmm. bit of a little, little bit, bit of, of pain, pain slut, yeah. Yes, or tentacles, which I've never had. <laughs> so, but I would imagine that if you were playing with somebody new, I mean, that's because you know me, you know, and, and you guys know each other pretty much, so you could probably read in on that. I'm wondering if the guy that asked the question is actually playing with new people. Maybe they're not being vocal or something like that. So, you know, my suggestion to the bottoms out there being played with by new tops or whatever is to be vocal and speak up. You know? Sure. I like the yummy noises. I can't imagine playing with somebody that doesn't make the noises or give any feedback. So well, that would be my guess then, is that he's not getting the feedback, so he's having to ask for it. When we were at uh, Beyond Leather mm -hmm. in Florida, I happened to get bought in the auction. Right. And the, the person I was going to play with was very clear. I like it. You know, I like a lot. I can take a lot. Mm -hmm. I really want to be pushed. You know, I want, and that gave me permission to go ahead and and push. Right. You know, um, is that the one we played with together? 
Were you there? No, no, I was having such a good idea. I didn't notice anyone <laughs> think, else around. I think it was because she was very vocal. Yes. It's the one I'm thinking of. She was very vocal. She had a lot of good feedback. So, you know, it was easy to figure out what she liked and what she didn't like. You didn't have to ask her a lot of questions. <laughs> so, uh, are you a guest on? Okay. <laughs> I just whipped out my microphone. <laughs> just stuck it up to your mouth. I didn't know how to respond. <laughs> you can use my name anytime. Okay. So, Amber the Rope Slut, as you're mostly known on the podcast. Um, do you find you have problems getting your people that are topping you to take you as far as you want to go? Mm. And do you have tricks to help allow them or to get them to do that? I think the more noise I make, the more they do it or the more that they, you know, put into it, um... So yeah, I mean, if I if I give more feedback, then they give more back to me, and they may hit a little bit harder, um, you know, and mm-hmm. take me to where I want to go. That's usually it's um, the feeding of the reciprocal, of that yeah, that that whole cycle thing. So mm-hmm. as long as it's honest noise, yes. So as long as you allow yourself and vulnerable is my word of the year, I guess I use it a lot. But um, as long as you can be vulnerable enough to let the real noises come out, or if they if they I mean, I've had a couple of people come and ask me mm-hmm. um, if I was okay before, too. And I always give that feedback if they ask. So, Do you think that part of that is that people have to learn how to read people differently, too? Oh, yeah, most I certainly. Mean, <clears throat> I, I remember the first... I scared the heck out of somebody. They were watching me play with somebody that mm-hmm. they'd never seen anything before. And they later asked me, says, weren't you really hurting that person? I says, well, I guess... <laughs> hurting is I wasn't harming them but yeah I was probably hurting them yes mm-hmm. to answer that but you read their body movements you read you, you read the sounds mm-hmm. you know, the, the tasty sounds the yummy movements that people do mm-hmm. um, the way they respond to your touch whether it's through a dragon's tail or it's your hand or what other fun toys yeah. um, and, and maybe the person that was writing you were they missing some of those lovely That's what, feedback? Well, we have to guess because we only got the, the single question pretty much. Mm-hmm. But I guess if he's asking for feedback, that would be my guess is that he's not getting the feedback. Because some people, some bottoms think that their job is to just stand there and take it. you know. And I guess under a, a, a sadist... That's what a sadist wants is, you know, for you to stand there and take it. I don't know about that. That's my that's my guess because I've had bottoms tell me that before, you know, I'm not allowed to make noises. I'm just supposed to take what's given to me and I don't uh, that's I I've never worked with that, so I don't know. I've had to think about that one before. I I heard somebody somebody once in a conversation I don't remember where I was or whatever, but it had come up that that as a service to mm-hmm. their master, they they're not a pain person, but they take that pain right. because it gives their master pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've heard of that situation before. For me, when I'm at the beginning, if I'm going to negotiate a scene with somebody, I negotiate up front and tell them that if you put me in rope, when you're taking me out at the end of the scene, I probably will cry right. because I am a crier when I come out of the rope. Right. Um, you know. I, yeah, so it's stuff you negotiate. It's like, mm-hmm. on, on a side note, is this your first time on a podcast? Mm-mm. Have you been on our podcast You've before? Been on your podcast before. Wow. 
That's almost as embarrassing if you sleep with someone and don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) You don't remember? (laughs) So, Dawn, tonight, if we were having a poly podcast, Mm -hmm. this would be a very interesting conversation that we're about to have (laughs) with our guest. As listeners of the podcast have might have heard before I've mentioned someone named Karen. Right. And our guest also knows this Karen person <laughs> as well. But that's not what the podcast well. Very well. But that's not what the podcast is about tonight. Uh, Chris from Pennsylvania, thank you for joining the podcast tonight and talking about well, card games. Uh, no problem. I'm glad to be here. Now uh, now, you had already, before we even started the interview, you had taught me a new term called CCG. Yes, CCG stands for Collectible Card Game. Um, it's a basic term ranging from Pokemon and Magic and um, Legend of the Five Rings are the probably three most well-known of the CCGs out there. Okay, okay. Now, um... But those aren't particularly kinky games, and they're probably not appropriate. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> nice, they're fun, but Pokemon and Erotic Awakening probably doesn't go together. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of sexy animals in those Pokemon decks. You never know what you can find out there. <laughs> I never hear think... that. La, 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 la. <laughs> well, tonight specifically, though, we're going to talk about a, uh, a, a CCG, a card game called... Uh, Ferodicon, right? That's correct. Ferodicon, yep. And uh, we actually had a listener write us in about this some time ago, mm-hmm. and they said we, they, we might find this interesting. We reached out to the company and said, hey, we do honest reviews of products if right. you'd like to send it to us. They said, great, we'll send it over to you. And we looked at it, and we said... Oh, yeah, they sent us the, car- the card game mm-hmm. and then a couple of booster packs. Right. Right, and we kind of looked at it and went, uh, it's, it's been a long time since we've played card games. Yes, I don't get it. <laughs> now, at one point, I did have a pair of furries, but that didn't get me anything. No. <laughs> Fortunately for us, um, Chris um, is willing to help us out, and you've actually you've you've handled the cards, and you've played with the cards, and you've actually played a game with these cards, right, Chris? That's correct. A friend of mine and I play tested. Um, I believe it was the Triskelon starter set, mm-hmm. two separate decks that um, you can purchase on their website. Um, and we wrote some notes about it, and I'm here to pass along our review. Okay, so so let's start off by asking, I mean, are you you and your friend, you guys any good at these card games? Have you played this magic-type stuff or uh, CCGs before? Yes, uh, both myself and my friend Mark are, I would say, pretty knowledgeable about the CCGs. Um, I've been playing Magic the Gathering since... Oh, the early 90s when Richard Garfield, the creator, was selling them out of the back of his truck, I believe. <laughs> and my friend played with me. Um, he has placed in the top ten here in Pennsylvania state championships. Yes, there are state championships for Magic the Card, uh, Magic the Gathering. I've also played a number of other CCGs ranging from Asian theme to Western to things like that. Okay, nice. fantastic. Now, uh, and if I understand it right correctly, Ferodicon is... Ferodicon. Ferodicon, it's of the same idea, same... I have cards, you have cards, and we play against each other, and... But the difference here is that these are a bunch of kinky, furry-related cards. 
Yep, that's pretty much it. Um, that was one of the unique things about the game. I mean, typically in these games, you've got two opposing armies, whether they're Pokemon monsters or Magic the Gathering fantasy wizards and dragons um, that go into the field of battle and slay one another. Um, this particular game, you are pretty much running a house of some sort with a bunch of kinky people, both human and furry, and you go out and have a lot of sex, and whoever lasts the longest wins. <laughs> Boy, do I know that feeling. <laughs> It'd be a nice game to play in real life, too. Yes. <laughs> so, now, part of what I liked about the cards, I didn't get the, um, the whole game rules and everything, because I haven't played these type of card games before, but the artwork was amazing. To us. To us. What, what do you think about the artwork on those? I agree. I, I think that is going to be probably one of the biggest draws of the card game is the artwork is spectacular and sexy and naughty and funny all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Although I will say the rules, one of the problems I think you may have had, Don, in the rules that accompany the basic set that you were given that you passed on to me weren't the complete rule set. You need to go to their website, which I believe is ferodicon.com. We should probably spell that for the, for the listeners because it's kind, of weird, it's kind of hard to understand. I believe it's F-U-R-O-T-I-C-O-N. It's the name of the card game, and then you just hit the dot .com at the end, and I believe you can go right to their website. That's where you'll find the complete set of rules with updates, errata, and luckily enough, a place to buy the cards. Well, I feel a little less dumb. Yeah, because I couldn't figure it out. But but I had a lot of fun passing around the pictures. I, <laughs> yeah, the, the art actually is quite good, and I believe that was one of the designer's main focuses was to try and showcase erotic art in the furry community and get that as part of his game and show these these people's skills out there to the greater world if you consider the greater world the rest of the furry and kinky community. Right. I think it's the greater world, but that's just my opinion. I, absolutely. <laughs> now, how about, um, one of the things that strikes me, for example, about magic is there's a great, great variety in types of cards. Did you? Is there a lot of variety in the types of Ways you can last longer or make your opponent not last longer? Well, one of, one of the issues is going to be that it is a new card game. And I believe they've had out maybe one basic set of cards and maybe one or two expansion sets. And the way these games do get so big with all the variety is they put out lots and lots of different cards. So at the moment, there aren't a lot of cards. There aren't a lot of different varieties. I mean, there are still, for those who don't play collectible card games, it's going to be overwhelming. There are a lot. But for those of us who, if, if you're a kinky card gamer, you're going to go, oh, well, there's only like 300 and some odd cards. That's not very many. Okay, okay. All right, well, let's get into that last part then. What about the gameplay? Is, uh -huh. is, is, it, a, is it a good game? I think it has the, uh, the potential to be a really interesting good game at the moment because it is brand spanking new. There are some kinks to be worked out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> spanking and kinks. I went there. <laughs> um, 
The game itself is based on the standard CCG. You have resources that you need to use to bring cards from your hand into the field of play. Um, one of the interesting things in this game was the resources themselves are called havens. They cost to get out. Most games you get to put your resources down for free. This particular game... It costs to bring them out, and you only get so many action points a turn. So that, that was something I felt was different, which had some positive things and some negative things. Both uh, my friend Mark and I were uh, to back that it, it was a slow starting game because, of the, because you couldn't just start laying down cards quickly. But I think that also would help the, the newer players because things don't get, don't get going crazy. Okay. Okay. Was it? Uh, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yes. No, you ask your next question. Go right ahead. I, I was just going to ask. You know, we um, did you find any of the sexiness about it offensive? I mean, we all have our own sexual taste. Was there anything in there that you thought was overboard or unnecessary, or that detracted um, that detracted from the gameplay to try and make a point that I'm a sexy game? I didn't. I did not. And I don't think any of your listeners are going to. Um, I think if this game was dropped into your local card shop, I'm pretty sure a mob with torches and pitchforks would show up within the hour. Uh, the, the game is based around boys, girls, hermaphrodites, and other kin. Other kin mm -hmm. being, I believe, they're animal-type sexy beings right. and it, it i mean the idea is to get your different boys girls herms or other kins out there and have sex with each other to the point where you have no longer any people left to defend your sexual wiles and i can continue to sex you up until you finish and lose so i mean I don't think that's losing personally, but <laughs> in the context of the game, it sounds like it is. I don't think anything would be offensive to our group of friends and, and associates, mm -hmm. but I definitely think it's not a game to give to your nephew or niece, even if you think that they are into the BDSM world without first really getting to know them and you know their family members. Okay. <laughs> so how weird was it, Chris, to play the game with another guy? Would you recommend that, or would you recommend balancing out so <laughs> males and females? I, I didn't, I mean, it's a card game for me and my friends, so we really didn't, it wasn't weird at all um, doing that, uh, playing sex games with, with, with my friend Mark as an opponent. I didn't think that was a problem. It was a card game. I was playing the card game. I think that if his object is to get you all hot and bothered, I'm not sure that the card game is going to, to do that just because there is a lot of humor involved. There is a lot of there, there, there is a lot of funny little quips and, you know, nice ideas to bring the world of BDSM into the card game mechanics. 
So let's say that there is a method of removing cards from a playing field that is traditionally referred to as bounce. Basically, you take the card from the playing field and you put it back in your opponent's hand. Okay. It, it's a pretty standard, it's a standard thing to do. Um, lots of different games do lots of different ways to bounce cards. The one way that we noticed in this game was called the choke chain. And it had a picture of the cute little, almost anime-style mousy character getting choked out. Well, eyes bulging out. <laughs> stuff like that. And then she goes back to the, the owner's hand. So, I mean, it, it did things like that. It had, it had nice, cute BDSM ways of instituting traditional card game mechanics. Nice. Okay, so that kind of answers my question then. But it's more, it's it's not going to like, uh, it's more of a card game with just a different theme. It's not like it's an icebreaker that leads to an orgy. I, yeah, definitely would say not. Okay. Um, I, I think, and I think this is where part of the tension in the card game, which is going gonna, is, is gonna to cause some difficulties for the growth of the card game, because I think they could have very easily gone for the beer and pretzel style game. Beer and pretzel style game is the game you sit down with your buddies and have over a beer and some pretzels, and you don't have to worry about too many rules, and you can have a good time, and you can laugh, and you can talk about the game, and you can talk about sports, and you can just BS and have a good time. Um, it's a little too complicated for a beer and pretzel style game, and I think a beer and pretzels style sex game could easily lead to, hey, let's try what's going on on these cards. Sure. <laughs> um, so I think if they were trying for that, they'd miss their mark. So it's a little too complicated for the beer and pretzel style. I think the other problem is it's a little too, the mechanics are a little too stilted at this point to really challenge or intrigue the full-time a uh, CCG player, whether that's a, a Magic player or a Legend of the Five Rings player or something like that. And I'm sure there's, there are a, a, a large number of game gamers in the greater BDSM community. I think a lot of them are going to look at this game and go, wow, it's, you know, from a card playing, a card game mechanics um, style, wow, it's not that great of a game. From a, ooh, let's get it on game, nah, not that great of a game either. So I, I think it's pulling in two different directions, which personally detracts a little bit from the effectiveness of the game. Wow. Okay. Fantastic. But it's still brand new, so it could yes, it, end up... Okay. Yeah, right. it is absolutely brand new. I'm actually looking at their website now, mm -hmm. and you buy their, their starter decks and booster packs uh, with accompanying dice, because it does, it, it does need dice as well. Um, you can buy all these things on their, on their website. And it looks like they have the vanilla, i.e. very basic beginning set, <laughs> with one, I think there's one expansion called uh, Triscon. And after that, I think that's it. So really, there's not been a lot put out. Like I said, there's probably 300 and some odd cards Right. Put out all together, which isn't a lot for a. Well, let me. Yeah, that, that's not a lot for a, a collectible card game. Okay. Well, Chris, if you don't mind, I got one more question for you. Sure. If the um, if we came and we took the card game back and 
you know, you you saw that the, on the website there that they were having a half price sale. Would you go out and spend money on it? I probably would not go out and spend money on it, and that's because my gaming group friends don't overlap into my kinky friends very much. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I think if I had one or two kinky friends who gamed more or gamer friends who I could abduct into the kinky world, <laughs> it may be a, a, an, interesting, an, an interesting evening. I think I would, before they, before I invested in it, I think I would want to see a little more robustness of the game, um, make sure it lasts a little longer. On the other hand, if I'm at a convention and they're in the, you know, a dollar a pack card set because they bought too many and they're on sale, I may invest, I may drop a 10 spot on that and pick up 10 booster packs for ten dollars, just because the artwork is really kind of funny and nice, mm-hmm. and uh, that could always be a good thing. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, I can't say enough about the artwork. Absolutely loved it. All right, good deal. Well, Chris, thank you very much for being on the podcast tonight and filling us in on something that we couldn't figure out on our own. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks. So, do you think maybe Karen would dig those bunny ears and one of those tails? I don't know. <laughs> Um, I don't know. It could be worth trying. I'll let you try first. Ooh, okay. (laughs) So, Don, as we've traveled around over the last 10 years, we've been involved in and experienced a lot of really interesting fetishes, but one Mm -hmm. of them that we don't know jack about is is the rubber fetish. Exactly. So, I mean, I have seen some people um, and some beautiful clothing and stuff that is of the rubber variety, but um, when asked about it, it's not something we can teach on. Fortunately for us, Andy from Kentucky is a rubber fetishist, and he has joined the podcast tonight and has agreed to come on here and talk to us about it and uh, maybe school us a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Andy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So I guess I want to start off today by asking, uh, well, what exactly is a rubber fetishist? Well, rubber fetishism is similar to leather fetishism. It amounts to there is something tactile, something something that your senses involve you with that makes you enjoy it. Something aphrodite, like an aphrodisiac, for instance. Okay. Awesome. So that's what I was going to ask you is um, just trying to get a better understanding of it. Is it, I mean, because rubber, we're talking about like rubber clothing. So is it like, uh, I would imagine that it's really, really tight. So is the encasement part of that? Or is it more, yeah, or is it, or is it more the smell and the tactile and? Well, it is, it is part of that for me. I recently have been researching into the sensations that other species go through. Mm-hmm. And there's something called thigmataxis. And it's something that many animals go through. And it's the idea of being encased and have equal pressure all over your body. Ooh. They've used them in the form, they've used it as a therapy for people with uh, autism and various other conditions that make their tactile sensitivity elevated and can cause discomfort but i just do it because it feels good 
Nice. Now, I know a mistress. See, and I think one of the reasons I was asking about the encasement is because I know a mistress that loves to wear rubber. She's got a beautiful rubber dress, long rubber dress. But I noticed that it is a very free-flowing dress. It doesn't have a lot of that encasement. Where other people I see, it's all tight. Like, do you have to use baby powder to put that stuff on? You can use powder. There are various lubes that you can use to get into Ooh. the suits. Um, yeah, it's pretty much a full spectrum. It's The scene's fairly well developed. <laughs> it's been around for a while, but it's actually started around the same time that we that the leather community started, so around the end of the Second World War. So, well, now, do, do you know more about the history? Because if somebody, you know, we know the history, at least Don and I know the history of how it is that leather became part of our the leather the, the culture, although not from a fetish perspective. I mean, yeah. when you compared it to uh, the rubber fetishes, is you know, it's like a leather fetishes. I can say, oh, well, I can understand that. I like the smell of leather, the way it feels on the skin, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, does does rubber fetishism have a history that you can go back to like that? Or it's very hard to say. People, it's a sin. Ours isn't as well documented as the community is uh-huh. there's a uh, few people that have been working on it, but there really isn't thing there's nothing written down there isn't a lot about it there's some of the leather archives that's been recorded but it's just in relation to contests and different magazines that have come out there isn't a lot on our full experience okay so a starting date back then is essentially saying that it was around the same period that fetishism in magazines and such started to begin. Okay. Are there any characteristics between rubber fetishists? This is <laughs> a complicated it word. It's a hard word. <laughs> uh, that you think are shared between people that enjoy the rubber fetish? Is there, any, is there some commonality or are they just everybody across the board? I believe that it is something that's very individual, like most fetishes. However, um, there are there is the idea of encasement, which is one set of rubber fetishes, and there's it seems like there's another group that's more along the lines of just pure sensation and scent. So it's more it's less about the having yourself encased than about just having it on your skin, the different having it around you, the smell, a large part of it. Oh, okay. In my experience personally and in others I've spoken with. So when did you know you were a rubber fetishist? <laughs> well, I have been let's see. I've been around rubber for a long time. I uh grew up in in a family where we had uh motocross like dirt bikes mm-hmm. sure i remember enjoying the smell of those tires wow <laughs> so okay. very long time i've enjoyed it but i've i generally take a approach that anything is free game if it feels good doesn't hurt anybody else do it sure. <laughs> so <laughs> yep and just been interested them. in it for a while exactly do no harm do no harm. So, but um, um, I'm a magic. Now I've come across. I've hung out. Hung out. I've attended a couple of uh, the gay male leather events recently, and there seems to be more rubber vendors there. 
Um, but I'm also checking the price tag. It's right uh, up there with leather, isn't it? Yes. It's right up there with leather, if not a little bit more. Yeah. It's definitely a cost a cost prohibitive for some fetish. You have to come up with a lot of money. And also, for the fact that I live in Kentucky, mm-hmm. and generally I travel furthest to, let's say, Chicago, maybe, that's a long distance to travel. There's almost no events within six hours for rubber people. Mm, there's stuff yeah. in uh, there's stuff in Minneapolis, uh, L.A., New York, and there's uh, huge communities in London, and then over in Australia. Actually, there's wow. an enormous rubber fetishist community. So, hmm. no, it's interesting because I perceived it as just a subset of like you'd see you'd go to a BDSM or a leather convention uh, or event. And some people there are also rubber fetishists, but it sounds like you're saying that you've got it, it's its own it's its own set of people. That uh, do you have rubber fetishist conventions per se? Or uh, yes, there oh. are several around. There's um, let me see, there are different subsets of the rubber community. Even there's the rubber ball, which is an annual event that's been going on for over eight years in New York. Uh, there's, we have the magazines that have been set up for decades now, like uh, Marquee and uh, Skin 2. Uh, they have events all over the U.S. and Great Britain. So we have, uh, in Minneapolis, for instance, there's a group of rubber dolls. So individuals who most times cross-dress in a female suit. So it's a encasement. It has inflation. It has what was it? And it all makes the them different... look like a woman? Uh, it, yes, it's it a full them... face mask and everything. <laughs> wow, that's kind of neat. Yep. And there are several there's another on... word there, and I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> but that would be neat. Oh yes, there are several groups on uh, there are several groups on FET that are with it. So awesome! And I know there's a contest. There's a rubber contest. Um, I don't know much about it though. Yes, uh, let me see. The big one would be International Mister Rubber, yeah, which is held in enough. Chicago. Oh, okay. okay. Yep, Chicago in November, I believe. So. <laughs> Wow. Very neat. So yep. how do, um, if I am changing my bicycle tire later and I realize, wow, I really like this, I like the smell of it, or or I'm listening to this interview and saying, gee, I kind of think uh, this may be a path for me to explore. How, how do you, would, would you recommend somebody get started? Well, um, people come across it all the time in various ways. You can, some people come to it through scuba diving, actually. So that is actually a very cheap and, well, cheaper and <laughs> easy way of getting a hold of something comparable to a catsuit is scuba diving. You can get into the neoprene and things like that. Mm-hmm. That is okay. a great place to start. <laughs> you can also go and you can find community online because there's, I know from being, I grew up in the Louisville scene, which is heavy into leather. 
So with, I mean, Constance doing GLLA, but <laughs> it's just the same deal. You have to come up with your own, you have to make your own scene in rubber, okay. especially around here. Do you find the, like if you, you go to GLLA and you're being very rubbery, so to speak, <laughs> is there any kind of um, pushback from more traditional leathermen or leather community or are they very much... Or are they pretty accepting? That's the strange part. I have heard that it is very that they can get people can push back. They can be like, "Oh, well, that's not the same. You don't have the history we have. You don't have our struggle to be accepted. You came into it later because there's a perception that we didn't start until the nineteen late seventies, early eighties uh -huh. with Malcolm McLaren that started. There was the manager of the Sex Pistols. He opened Sex the first one of the first legal sex shops in Great Britain. So, mm -hmm. but he was a rubber fetishist. Oh, okay. But, okay. Yeah. but yeah, it, you can get some people pushing back, but for the most part, it's a live and let live. That's my experience so far. Good. Okay. Awesome. awesome. You definitely have to come up with, you definitely have to search out your own community though. You, you aren't, there's, which that's my experience here in the wilds of Kentucky and Ohio. <laughs> the wilds of Kentucky right. and Ohio. So, so I've got to ask, because this has been one of my fears. I wanted to, we have a rubber flogger, and I do like the smell of it, and I came across a rubber vendor that had some beautiful dresses, and I, I wanted to try one on, but um, I was afraid of popping a finger through it as I went to put it on. Ha have you done that yet? <laughs> oh, well... Uh, one of the big things, like I said, is making sure that you have, being free of body hair is a big thing that can help with that mm -hmm. because it helps it slide easier, which oh. in that case, I am actually not, I am a very hairy person. <laughs> <laughs> so. I've been referred to as bear bait, so. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but there is a, but you can definitely, uh, when you're trying something on, you definitely want to not, you don't really need to be afraid of punching through it as much mm -hmm. because most things are sold. They're up to, let's say, usually about point one, uh, about point seven millimeters. Okay. So it's not going to be easy to punch through. It's thicker than, it's about double thickness of a, uh, rubber glove use for exams. Oh, so yeah. okay. I may have to give it a try then because I like that whole encasement thing and yeah. And and I bet it's just got a different feel than Saran wrap. <laughs> yes, that is actually something I have ex a lot of experience in as well. So you, uh, yep. oh, Saran wrap is delightful, but cheaper too. Oh, much cheaper, <laughs> especially when you have a mistress that owns a. Uh, that works in a factory setting. Nice. <laughs> nice. Remnants of the uh -huh. of the tubes of it. Yes. Of the big rolls. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. You you get a twenty you get a twenty inch across roll. That's easy. It's like three wraps. And you're done. <laughs> <laughs> so Andy, if I went to uh, one of the the vendors at these events and want to get myself a nice leather or I'm sorry, nice rubber shirts, uh, well, that set me back ten fifteen dollars. Unfortunately, no. <laughs> That's closer to uh, the mass-produced ones 
uh, from companies, but uh, those will set you back like about seventy to eighty bucks. Okay. Okay. If you go into something more custom made, anything thicker than about seven mil point seven millimeters, mm-hmm. it's going to get much more expensive. You uh, a cat suit of seven millimeters is about mm, one thirty, one forty usually. Okay. So. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Well, Andy, if you don't mind, I got uh, one more question for you. Um, I know that you you talk about the you're in the the backwoods of Kentucky, and there's no events there or anything like that nearby. But I've heard that you're in, uh, headed to an event in June with the Prestige Group. Yes, I will be. There's a wonderful event coming up, which actually many of the people are involved in a bit of rubber. So, but it's not a rubber event. This is. Beyond the Edge. It's a second half or second annual event. It was originally taking it to the edge. Now we're going beyond the edge. These groups presenting a two-day event. We're going to have two play parties each night. And it's going to be in uh, Dayton, Ohio at a hotel. We have, I believe we have almost the entire hotel to ourselves. Wow. Uh, we're going to have June 17th through the 18th of this year, 2011. Uh, we're going to have people coming in to present on a variety of topics. We have uh, Douglas Kent coming in to present on some rope bondage things. We have Robert Dante coming in to do some uh, demonstrations with whips and such. Uh, our keynote speakers, Sir Top and Slave Bonnie, I believe you've met them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yay. Yep. Yes. There doing our keynote speaking and doing a few classes. Uh, we're also bringing in Bucky from Chicago, Bucky Cat from Fett. Uh, he's awesome. going to be doing some blood play and needlework. Um, <laughs> yes, Kerr <laughs> and Penny yeah. are going to be there. Um, our own Marcus, who is a, one of the board members on the Prestige Group, is going to be presenting on predicament bondage. Ooh. And uh, we're going to have tons of vendors as well, uh, including Dr. Clockwork. So we're going to have some nice electrical instruments going on, some violet wand work. So, yeah, but he can, he can be a little intense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, very cool. Very cool. Well, if, if um, people who are listening want to uh, get a little firsthand uh, advice about uh, rubber, uh, can they get a hold of you via FetLife or some way? Uh, yes. Uh, if you have any, if you have any questions, uh, you can just send me a message time. I'm Olect, O-L-E-C-T, on FET. Um, I'm glad to answer questions, send people in the right direction if they have any questions about anything else. If I don't know, I can find somebody that does. All right. Sweet. So. Fantastic. Andy, thank you very much for speaking with us tonight. I learned a little bit. <laughs> I learned a really big word earlier about animals. I'm going to go find out that's go. true. Exactly. I, I'm going to get the saran wrap right, and wrap the cat up and see if he looks very calm and relaxed. There you I go. don't think that's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. You going to wear some uh, protection there? Yeah. <laughs> speaking of rubber wear, I will wear protection. There you go. Thank you.